0: Here in Matthew in chapter 6, I want you to see this, there in uh, in verse 7, you say, what in the world is praying got to do with the kingdom? I'm glad you ask, because you see, there was a portion of scripture that many people will use as the Lord's Prayer. Now, the Lord's Prayer is found in John chapter 17, that's the one he prayed. The one that's mentioned here, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. He didn't pray that prayer. That was only a manner, a way, a method. It wasn't to be used as vain repetition. See there, he says in verse 7, That when ye pray, use not vain repetition as the heathen do. In other words, learning rote prayers. Now that's fine for little children when you're teaching them how to pray. But when you get older, would you like for the pastor to to read the prayer? And every week I read the same prayer? Or to, you know, it's just a memorized prayer? Don't you believe a prayer ought to be, you know, a talk between you and your Heavenly Father? Not something that's made up, but something that's real. It just seems like that's ought to be the way it is. But he says this, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. So it's not how much you say in a prayer, it's the quality of the prayer, not quantity. It's the, the honesty, the sincerity. It's your humility between you and God. And he says in verse 8, Be not ye therefore like unto them. For your Father knoweth what things you have need of before you ask. That doesn't mean you're going to get it because it says you have not because you asked not. So you are to ask. But don't think just the the multitude of words is what gets it for you. Then look in verse 9. He says, After this manner, therefore pray ye, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, So it's teaching us to have the respect that we want to, and talk to our Father, and then bring to Him your petition. But look what he says in verse 10. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. In other words, they were always praying the kingdom would come, the kingdom would come. Now, the king is here. So he's going to set up his kingdom. But, of course, as you know, the king was rejected, the kingdom postponed. But the desire should be that I want Christ to rule here, the way he rules there. I want thy will, which is in heaven, to be fulfilled here on the earth. And if I want that as an individual, I can't speak for everybody else, I still can allow the Lord in heaven to rule me on earth. And I can still, as an individual, say, Thy will be my will upon the earth, so that I can still do whatever it is God wants me to do, and it has nothing to do with what anybody else does or doesn't do. Now, this is what he taught his disciples. This is how you're supposed to pray. Not the words to say, but the method, the idea behind it. The holy respect you have, my Father. I want your will to be done in me. I want your kingdom to come. And he says, and look at the very next word, in verse 11, Give us this day our daily bread. That is to keep you constantly, daily, dependent upon the Lord. Give us this week, our weekly bread. Give us this month, our monthly bread. Well, just go ahead and ask for the year. Like some people like the security, Lord, just give me for the rest of my life. God wants us dependent upon him every day. And that's why he maybe doesn't smile too much on giving you too much more than what you need. You see, that's what keeps, sometimes keeps a person humble. It keeps you dependent upon the Lord. If you had too much, you might not need to pray as much you may not need to look to the Lord and depend upon Him because after all, I don't have to worry about it. I've got $2 million in the bank. Well, it's designed, life is designed to where we need the Lord. And look what he says there in verse 12, And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Now, under the law, you want to be forgiven? You forgave. Under grace, we forgive because we have been forgiven. But on the law, it was law. You want this? You got to do this. So he says, this is my will. And they prayed for the kingdom. They were looking forward to this kingdom. Now the church is not the kingdom. The church is not going to bring in the kingdom. Christ is not the king over the church. He can be the king, but he's called the head of the church the head of a body. It's a different thing altogether. So in the book of Revelation in chapter 11, I want you to go back there, and you'll notice that this is the seventh angel saying what's going to take place, and he's wrapping it up toward the end, so you can see the combination of all these things coming together, and this is what he said, in verse 17, saying, We give thee thanks, O Lord God Almighty, which art and was and art to come, because thou hast taken to thee thy great power, and hath reigned. And the nations were angry, and thy wrath is come, the time of the dead, that they should be judged, and that they should have, thou should have give reward unto thy servants the prophets, and to the saints, and them that fear thy name, small and great, and should have destroyed them, which destroy the earth. So this is what is coming, and uh, whenever you read about the, the seven thunders as though it comes after this, and maybe the order in how he was going to do it wasn't right, I don't know. I do have an inquiry in mind. But I noticed that in chapter 12, the very next things to follow are things not only new to the New Testament but was prophesied in the Old Testament by the saints, the prophets, and now here reiterated again by John and his prophecy and look in chapter 12, and you'll notice there in verse 1, he's talking about the woman, he's talking about the woman, Israel, and how she begins. And then in verse 3 and 4, it talks about Satan. Now this is also outlined here in the Uh, Old Schofield Reference Bible, and in verse 5 and 6, it talks about the child, which is Christ. The fourth thing in verse 7, 8, and so forth, is talking about the archangel and Michael and the battle that takes place in heaven. And then in verse 13 down to verse 16 talks about Satan and Israel in the tribulation period. Now all of these are types or things that have been mentioned before and now are mentioned again right after the closing of the sixth angel and his comments or the seventh angel. And then in verse 17 the the dragon says there's a, a remnant left and this remnant is what God is going to begin the kingdom with. And they're going to go into the uh, the The millennial reign of Christ. And so there's going to be the small as a mustard seed. And he's going to build the greatest nation in the face of the earth. Now whether or not all of this, and I'm, maybe I'm seeing a lot of things that are not there. But I have a habit of seeing things that may be not there. But I, I read and I study and I sometimes put things together and sometimes I, I don't. And sometimes it makes sense and sometimes it don't. But I want to prick your mind to where you have a desire to want to study the book and find out what might this mean. What can I glean from this or learn from this? And it doesn't matter sometimes whether or not I get it all in the right sequence and all. But whatever it does for me, it challenges me to want to live more holy, more godly. It refreshes my mind, it, it, uh, it, it warms my spirit, I get challenged and motivated because of the, the Word of God and I, I want to do more of whatever God wants me to do with my life. So these things are here and they're, they're good and it's, it ought to be this way. This is what the Lord says. Now take your Bible and turn to the book of Jeremiah in chapter 15, Jeremiah in chapter fifteen. Jeremiah 15. Look there in verse 16. Verse 16. He says, Thy words were found, and I did eat them. Thy word was unto me the joy and rejoicing of my heart. For I am called by thy name, O Lord God of hosts. Uh, that phrase there, thy words were found, and I did eat them. Now this is mentioned several times in scripture about eating the word of God. I don't believe it means that he literally took the pages and he put them in his mouth and <coughs> he ate them up. The Bible also talks about as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. I don't think we're supposed to sit down and chew on scripture. But we are doing it spiritually. And it says taste and see that the Lord is good. So I am going. Taste if the Lord is good. It's when you read the Scriptures and you enjoy what it tells you. And it feeds your soul. You get full and happy and satisfied. It's one of the reasons we like to eat, because it's so satisfying. But did you notice that it doesn't last? You always got to eat some more, drink some more. But here he's talking about what the Word of God does to him. And sometimes when you understand the Word of God and you know that you have eternal life and you know you're going to heaven and you die, sometimes you think about, okay, I'm going to heaven. Right off the bat, I was so thankful that I was going to heaven. I cried my eyes out. Oh, I was happy. Right off the bat, I got, I got sad. I got filled with bitterness. <laughs> I started thinking about my mom and my dad and my brother and my sisters and if they don't trust the Lord they're going to go to hell and all of a sudden something so sweet turns to sour it's hard to explain something like that but it does happen look in the 119th Psalm the 119th Psalm I'd mentioned to you before how that when I had found myself there in Shreveport, Louisiana and I was a little on the discouraged side I didn't know enough of the Bible to encourage myself. But I just sat down and I opened it up and I found myself reading the 119th Psalm. And you'll notice there in verse 9, where it says, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to thy word, thy word. And then down there in verse 11, Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. And so if you look over the 130th verse. Of the entrance of thy word and giveth light, and if look at one hundred and five, it says thy word is a lamp and under my light under my path. Uh, you find there's some wonderful verses through the, the thing, and uh, and God's been good to us, He really has, and teaching us all these things. But um, I want you to look at verse one hundred and three. Look in verse one hundred and three he makes the statement, how sweet, how sweet are thy words unto my taste, yea, sweeter than honey to my mouth, sweeter than honey to my mouth, now, this is not meaning, it's not real honey, and you don't really put the word in your mouth, but it's when you read, and you understand, and you feast upon it, it brings such wonderful joy, such a sweet thing to know, there's power there, there's some good. And yet at the same time, you'll find out there's a lot of bitterness in knowing truth. The more you know, the more sorrow you're going to have, believe it or not. Look in the 19th Psalm, the 19th Psalm. In the 19th Psalm, there's a couple verses here that I want you to see. It's starting in verse 10, in verse 10. He says in verse 10, more to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is thy servant warned." What is he talking about here? Well, just real quickly, look up here in verse 7. The law of the Lord, we're talking about the Word of God. The Word of God is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord, that's the word of God, is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord, that's the word of God. All right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord, that's the word of God. It is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. More to be desired of they than gold. So it's more important than gold and silver is the knowledge of the word of God. To feed upon it, to feast upon it, how sweet it is. Somebody says, how sweet it is. Yeah, this is what's sweet. Now look down here in verse 11. In verse 11, Moreover by them is thy servant warned, and in keeping of them there is great reward. Who can understand his errors? Cleanse thou me from secret faults. Keep back thy servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me, then shall I be upright, and I shall be innocent from the great transgression. Verse 14, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord. Whether they are acceptable in God's sight is going to be, is God's word acceptable in your sight. You see, his word comes first, and you feed upon it, and then when you read over there in the book of Ezekiel, we won't turn there right now, but in the book of Ezekiel, he also had a book, and he was told to to eat the book. Jeremiah was told to eat the book, and he says, and it was sweet, and then it bitter in my belly. Now go back to uh, Revelation in chapter 10. Revelation chapter 10. And you'll notice there in verse 8, And the voice which I heard from heaven spake unto me again, and said, Go and take the little book which is open in the hand of the angel which standeth upon the sea and upon the earth. And I went unto the angel, and said unto him, Give me the little book. And he said unto me, Take it, and eat it up, and it shall make thy belly bitter, but it shall be in thy mouth sweet as honey. When you begin to read and to study the word of God, and even when you study prophecy, and you know how it's going to end, That someday, when it's all over with, and we're going to be in heaven, and we'll be walking on streets of gold, living in mansions and gates of pearl and walls of jasper and all that stuff, all want to be wonderful. Yeah, but whenever you know the truth, do you see how much ugliness is going to happen too? Can you see what God is going to have to do during the tribulation period because people will not accept him? Think of all the damage that's going to be done. Look at all the suffering that's going to be because of the devil. And God poured out His wrath upon this earth. And in spite of all these things, see, there's so much good, but then there's all this bad that makes it bitter. I had a person tell me one time after I led him to the Lord. They said, i would never had such trouble. I've never had such heartache and sorrow and testings as I've had since I trusted the Lord. When I was lost, the devil left me alone. But when I trusted Christ as my Savior and decided I'm going to serve the Lord, everything seemed to be turned upside down in my world. Because now the devil ain't going to let you alone. There's There's a fight. But as you read and study the Word of God, it's wonderful to know that you're going to heaven, but there's a lot of things that might happen between now and then that can make life very bitter. There's people that can make you bitter. There's experiences you go through that makes you bitter, leaves you a bitter taste in your mouth. Have you ever done something that you just, man, you just, you just feel like your whole guts rotting out on you? You just, it makes you feel sick. You say, how can I be so evil? How can I be so wrong? How can I be so ugly? Because that's the way we are. We got no sinful nature. And then there's a part of us that new birth just loves everything that's right. And as you feed upon the Word of God, it's so nice, it's so wonderful. And yet the more truth you know, the more heartache it can bring. Because you know there's a lot of people that you know and love that are going to spend an eternity in hell. And you know you're going to heaven, and you're glad about that, but you're sorry about the other. And you know you can't make it happen. You can't make somebody trust Christ as Savior. You explain the gospel, but you can't make them respond. So look what he says there in that verse. Verse 9 again, I went unto the angel, said unto him, Give me the little book. And he said unto me, Take it and eat it up, and it shall make thy belly bitter, but it shall be in thy mouth sweet as honey. See, it tastes good until you really digest. And then when you really digest it, you really think about what all this God is talking about. Yeah, there's a sweetness there, but there's also bitterness there. You, you'll find this in your life as you live your life. When you want to do something good, you think everything's supposed to open up the doors and everything's just wonderful. No, then it don't work that way. Seems like the devil jumps on you with all four feet and his long tail and his pitchfork all at the same time. And nothing goes right. And if anything gets accomplished, you say, uh, the Lord did it. The Lord did it. You'd be surprised how close all of God's children are just hanging it up not walking with him. We're we're so close sometimes of just quitting. Just stop being faithful. So close that we could have messed up our lives forever. But by the grace of God, he has enabled us and kept us going, and he did things for us and kept you on the right trail. And sometimes you wonder, man, how, how worse my life could be. It may not be the best right now, but you realize how bad it could be. And when you think even that way, boy, God is good. Boy, the Lord has been good to me. And I took the little book out of the angel's hand and ate it up. And it was in my mouth, sweet as honey. I don't believe he literally ate the book. I got other scriptures that talked about what that means. And to feed upon the word of God. And to taste and see that the Lord is good. Yeah, we're supposed to do that. And I had eaten it. My belly was bitter. He said unto me, Thou must prophesy again before many people and nations and tongues and kings so god isn't through but it's all coming to a head and as we look at the things that are going on in the world today boy a lot of stuff is just all coming together and it seemed like it's up here and it's down here and it's up here and it's down here i don't worry about none of it don't you worry about what's going on in washington i don't care what they do in washington I don't care what they do in one. I'm not going to be able to change it. I'm just going to keep serving the Lord and doing what's right as long as I can To just win people and challenge people. And I believe that the best way to save America is just get America saved. And try to challenge people that I can influence that serve the Lord and do right. And leave the rest of the Lord. Some things are beyond my power to do anything about them. Now, not everybody's going to think the same way. So I'm glad there are those that will... to figure out and solve some of these things and i pray for them and i want the best to be done and uh, i want god's will for america i want god's will for me my wife my family for our church and um but i've also cheated a little bit i've kind of read ahead and seen how it all comes out and i'm just not worried about it you don't have to worry about it either god knew the times in which we lived I've had people say, well, Yankee, we thought about having a family, but you know, these are some hard times, these are hard times, Uh, yeah, Moses was uh, born in a hard time, Jesus was born in a hard time, I was born at a hard time, my dad, and they were coming out of the depression and they didn't have anything, you're talking about poor, we couldn't even pay attention. We were so far back in the, the woods, we had to pipe in the sunlight. That was way back in the woods. And my daddy had an old team model and we had water out of the well and we had running water. We had to run and get it. We had an outhouse out back and uh, you could see the chickens through the floorboard and wind blowing through the cracks of the wall. And uh, we didn't have electric lights. We had kerosene lanterns, and a fireplace cut stove wood and put it in the stove and that's how my mama cooked she had solid irons in front of the fireplace and she would iron with those and wash clothes a big old pot out there in the yard yeah we was born at a bad but I sure am glad I was born and you ought to be glad you're born everybody seems to be born at a bad time well I'm glad I'm here glad you are too it doesn't matter how bad some things look There's also some honey, and it's sweet to the taste. Don't let the bitter override the honey. Keep your eyes focused upon the things of the Lord. Look up here. This hand represents you and me. The wall represents sin. We all have sin upon us. God loves us. Now, he hates our sin, but he does love us. And he says for us to pay for sin is eternal separation from God in hell. And God doesn't want us to go to hell. He wants us to go to heaven. And to go to heaven, you have to be perfect, as righteous as God. And none of us are perfect. None of us are righteous. And so God says, because of sin, we can't get into heaven. And the Lord says, your good works won't pay for sin. There's nothing you can do to get out of this trap. So that's why God, who loved you and me, sent his son, Jesus Christ, into the world. He had no sin, didn't have to die, but because he loved us and our sin separates us from him, he took the sin. paid for it on the cross, came back from the dead and said that if we would believe that he did it for us, he'd put this payment to our account and we get to go to heaven on what Jesus Christ did for us. Best news in the world. Let's pray, shall we? Every head bowed every eye closed, no one looking around. If you're here tonight and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, Yeah, there's some bad times coming, but there's some good times coming, too. Jesus is coming. That's good. That's good. Don't let the evil that you see, the bad that you go through, cause you not to see that the Lord is good and that his word is like honey. And even though you digest it and you can see all the other in it, it can make your belly bitter keep your eyes focused upon the Lord and realize who you are and where you are. Time will be over soon. Time shall be no more. And if you're here tonight and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, why not right now in the quietness of this moment simply say something like this, Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I don't understand it all, but I want to go to heaven when I die. And I know I'm not good enough. Friend, none of us are. That's why we trust Christ as our Savior. Won't you do the same? Just say something like this, Lord, I know, I don't understand it all. I know I'm a sinner. I know I've done things wrong, and I believe Christ died on that cross and I believe he paid for all of my sins, and I want to trust him to take me to heaven when I die. I believe he died and was buried and came back again from the dead. And right now I will accept him as my only hope of going to heaven. And, friend, if you'll do that, God said he'd save you. So with the heads bowed, eyes nice closed, anyone at all say, yes, pray for me. I will trust Christ as my Savior. Preach, I'd like you to pray for me. Just slip in it up very quickly. Just slip it up real quick and put it right back down. Our Father, we are thankful so much for all you've done for us. We thank you for this time that we have to focus upon Jesus Christ. We pray that many people will understand who he is and why he came, why he was born, that he came to die and to pay for the sins of the whole world. Did anyone believe it in him? Would not perish, but have everlasting life. We thank you for this time together in Christ and we pray. Amen.